Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, I'm going to start this episode off with kind of a little house cleaning announcement. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really hope that this would happen. I certainly didn't hope it would happen, but I suppose it was only a matter of time, and frankly, I have no explanation. I'm also not one of these individuals to blame technology and blame the quote-unquote deep state for censoring me or this show or the war videos or anything else uh, you know, that, that I may put on the internet, but for some reason, after the Kim Carter episode, where, again, we were having a, a rather serious conversation about the state of nursing and what's really going on. I attempted to upload that episode on Rumble mid-afternoon on Tuesday, and uh, it never uploaded. And then I did the exact same thing with the war video. I attempted to do that, too, on Rumble, and it never uploaded. So if you've never uploaded a video on Rumble, let me explain it very quickly, and then you'll kind of understand my frustration with this. When you upload it, it'll say, okay, it's been uploaded, you can view it. And then when you click on the view button, it'll say, okay, you got to wait until it's done processing. This takes time before you can actually view it at all. Even if you're logged in to a Rumble account, you can't necessarily watch it. At least that's my understanding. Certainly when I'm logged in, I can't watch it either. Because again, there's a percentage little meter thing that basically says you have this much percentage before it's completely uploaded or you know before it's done processing and then it can be played and shared and the whole thing it never got past 50 to 55% when it came to actually processing it so both the Kim Carter episode and the war video i attempted to upload at least 12 times in fact as you're hearing my voice i'm probably still trying to upload it. So I don't know why this is the case. Rumble's never given me a problem with uploading videos. Uh, the most problem I've ever had on BitChute is I'll have to upload a video three times in order to finally get it to, to take. Uh, and as you would expect, if you, again, if you've ever uploaded videos, you know that this can take a good portion of a day, which sucks, but that's just unfortunately the way that it is. Because again, you're trying to make sure that it in, that it in fact takes, and that uh, you know people can view it, so that even you don't have to be logged in to view it, you can just view it. But the point is, is that we seem to be back to a state here with this particular show and with what I'm doing, where I can't rely on Rumble. Now, again, the the origin of this show didn't start on Rumble; it was just straight audio. And then I started to upload videos uh, slowly but surely on BitChute, and then I decided to get a Rumble channel much later. But again, the Rumble, the, the Rumble channel is interesting because, again, I only have 200 and some odd followers, which is great for me. I mean, I'm fine with that. But for some reason, the videos just aren't taking. They're not uploading. So I just wanted to make mention of that and just remind everybody where, of course, you can catch the war videos if you want to watch them. you got to bounce over to BitChute to watch them. And that's where they will be available. They're uploading over there, no problem. And the same is true with, again, the audio episodes. Uh, th they're still available, of course, all the time on all the pod st podcast streaming apps that are available. You know, the Spotify's, the Podbean's, and, and Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. In fact, it's Podbean that is really the first place to go if you're interested in getting the episode. And I only say that because that's 
That's the platform that I use to upload it to where it shoots it out everywhere else. So if there's ever a delay on another app that is not Podbean, then it's not Podbean's fault. It's available on Podbean immediately. Like the moment that I make it go live, it's it's right there. But sometimes, unfortunately, it can take a little bit longer, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 30. There have been moments, again, where it will take hours and hours before it ever even reaches Apple Podcasts, for example, even though it's live and ready to go and you can listen to it on Podbean. So I just wanted to throw that reminder out there again. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I hope you continue to share the episodes where you can and and keep listening, but I, I don't trust Rumble at this moment in time, and I don't know what games they're playing or what they're doing, and again, I'm not one to blame the uh, you know the platform if I haven't done my due diligence and, and checked all the boxes that I can check and, and dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. I, I always blame myself first. And then attempt to work my way out of that by seeing what mistake that I've made. But I haven't done anything differently than I've done in the past. There's no different box that's been checked. Um, nothing, nothing has changed. All the software updates I've made are available. Everything is, you know, th- the way that it's always been. But yeah, it's just not, it's not rolling. So just wanted to make people aware of that. Sorry, it may be an inconvenience for some. I know that it is if people watch. The war videos on uh, Apple TV, which I even do sometimes because there's a Rumble app on Apple TV, but of course there's no other way to really watch it. So if you want to see the, the you know the war videos on a bigger on a bigger screen, you have to share your cell phone screen basically, and uh, it's different with everybody, of course. But screen sharing and screen mirroring is is one of those things that can be done. So. I would look into that if again if you're interested or you know just rely on another device I guess but there you go. Rumble, go figure. Okay. Let me get into this now. I just want to provide a few updates from our conversation with Kim Carter the other day. She has filed a few grievances uh without a doubt and made certain complaints to the Nurses Ethics Board and Again, I'm not going to get all those names correct, but but numerous outlets, basically, uh, all having to do, of course, with her profession and defending her profession and a number of other things. She's contacted lawyers, and she she's done a great deal of things in order to, again, wake these people up. What What is interesting about the truth, in particular the subject of the shots, and even free speech, I mean, this is a, this is a free speech issue without a doubt, too. And uh, in violating a person's First Amendment rights, I mean, there's no doubt about that, which is going to lead into another story I have. But she's doing everything that she can because, again, she knows that this is a matter of life and death, which it is. And again, the way that the truth typically works is that with every passing minute and with every passing day, more and more of it continues to come out. So I'm going to get into the jab stuff a little bit later, but. Again, like an avalanche, the amount of information that continues to spill out about these shots and what these shots are doing and what these shots have in them and what people have been told and what that means, and unfortunately how these hospital systems, these doctor's offices, and even these sheriff's departments and elected officials are doing absolutely nothing about it. They are not listening to anyone who is countering their own personal opinions on the subject. 
And again, the individuals who are objective don't have the luxury of an opinion. We, we truly don't. Kim Carter does not have an opinion on this. This is, this is objective fact. These shots are, are, are hurting and killing the people who take them. And the people who are taking them and continuing to take them are not being told what is in it. And they're not being shown the facts of, of what is actually inside of them. So I'll get into that a little bit later, but I did want to give you that update. Uh, she, again, is not working the rest of this week. She's been told to basically just not show up, but they have scheduled her for next Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could have that wrong, but I think that's what she told me and what she showed me. And again, she said she's not going to wear the mask, and, and that's not going to happen. And she's not, uh, she's not going to administer the shots, and she's going to encourage individuals to, again, not do that because it's going to hurt and kill people. So there you go. Again, that's not an opinion. That's not someone's point of view. That is a fact. That is what is going on. Major news outlets are consistently reporting this. Your local news outlets aren't touching this with a 10-foot pole because it's all brought to you by Pfizer, as the old advertisements say. So I'm telling you, you know, the, the people who do not know that we are at war, these are the individuals that are, will always end up being the casualties. It's always, it's always been that way. You know, I've used the example in the past of people not knowing that there was a civil war back during the Civil War in the 1860s. They had no idea. What is all this shooting about? I just do not understand. And people just, they had no idea. They had no idea that Americans were killing Americans. And they didn't even know what for. They didn't know the real reasons. Because they still, to this day, don't teach the real reasons. Well, we're living through another civil war right now. People don't know that one is going on, and people that know that it's going on don't know the real reasons necessarily, although that's kind of changed, fortunately. Many of the people who know that there's a war going on do know the real reasons. But you're talking about, again, multiple dimensions of thought here that's very hard for people to grasp, in particular when they've had their head in the sand for so long and been brainwashed for so long on so many issues. They're just not going to get away from it. So the truth will catch up to them eventually, but unfortunately there are casualties in this war and some of them are very good people who are unjabbed and are trying to warn endless individuals about what is really happening. So there is that. Okay, that leads me into this. Now there is a story, and I, I need to set this up because I haven't actually brought this up, I don't think, formally on the show, but it needs to be because, again, kind of the, the entire thread throughout this has to do with freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And it is foundational to our country. And if it does not remain, we have no country. And I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, there are numerous pockets in our United States where it does not remain. Now, with that said, I was watching some testimony the other day, just some YouTube clips about it, where Josh Hawley, who I'm not a, a fan of, and even Ted Cruz and Senator Kennedy, uh, who again, I'm not fan. I'm not a fan of any of these people. It's not a left or right issue. This is a con this is a matter of the Constitution, and all those guys are are Zionist zogbots, and you know they get to do what they want to do, I suppose, but they don't get to infringe on people's freedom of exp of expression and freedom of speech and First Amendment rights, and then at the exact same time, excuse me, come back around. And claim that they are uh, First Amendment absolutionists and that they are First Amendment defenders. 
These politicians and these senators, regardless of their political persuasion, are all hypocrites and they're all criminals as far as I'm concerned. So I wanted to mention that first. Second, what we had the other day was, is you had the director of Homeland Security, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is his name, allegedly. But uh, he and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, were there. And they were being questioned again about their task forces basically surveilling Americans when it came to freedom of speech and freedom of expression, the First Amendment, and then cracking down on individuals who were specifically talking about vaccines and vaccine hesitancy, or even mask wearing efficacy and things of that nature. And I think, I think rather in retrospect, it was uh, Senator Rand Paul who was doing this questioning. So my apologies. Either way, it's a very basic issue that, that shouldn't even be one that is questioned in our country. It shouldn't even come up. This shouldn't even be coming up in the halls of Congress or the Senate or anywhere that individuals, again, who work in our government are attacking its own citizens. And the fact is, is that it is exactly what is happening. The Department of Homeland Security specifically means that they are trying to keep government secure from we the people. That's it. DHS is designed to protect government from us and protect themselves from us. So in this particular hearing, Rand Paul was questioning Mayorkas and saying, okay, at one point, did or did not the Department of Homeland Security surveil Americans online on social media platforms and meet with social media companies regarding what they were saying specifically in regards to vaccine and mask efficacy and the legitimacy of of any of it? And at first he said no. So he was lying. And then Rand Paul gave him another opportunity and said, well, as it turns out, you know it just like I do, that a judge recently just ruled against you and said that you can't do it because it infringes on people's First Amendment rights. At which point he said there was a time when we were talking with social media companies about a number of different issues, but I don't know if it was about vaccines and masks and whatever else. And he tried to weasel his way out of it. So again, he started off by saying, no, no, we never did. And then he said, well, yes, we did talk with social media companies, but I don't know what about. Now, everybody knows that that's horseshit. There's no way that a director of a, of a government agency, which is designed by design to attack individuals domestically who are citizens in our own country, doesn't know what that department is doing. We know about the weaponization of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, certainly. Everybody wants that gone because they started telling everybody, of course, it was a Chinese spy agency, which it may be. But at the exact same time, more truth is being shared on TikTok than practically any other platform, certainly outside of Gab or Telegram. You're not going to, I mean, again, people are still gushing over X or Twitter like it's some free speech platform. It clearly isn't. What it is doing, though, is it's returned to some resemblance of what it used to be at one point in time, but it's nothing like it's nothing like Gab or Telegram. Either way, he was caught in a lie. And it was proven in that just in, in this very small exchange, which again I'm I'm not gonna play, it was it was about eight minutes long, six or eight minutes long, but 
He asked Christopher Ray the exact same thing, and then Christopher Ray uses the tagline or the excuse phrase or saying, not to my knowledge, that the FBI, not to his knowledge, was surveilling individuals in an online platform regarding freedom of speech and so on and so on. That is also a lie. You can't be the director of the FBI and not know that that's happening. These agencies, again, have been weaponized against us. We know this. And, and again, the, the rub with me comes with the simple fact that a judge can slap them down, can slap down in court the Department of Homeland Security and tell them that what they were doing was unconstitutional, and yet there's no repercussion. There's no accountability. They're not fired. No one's fired. No one's fined. Nothing. It's nothing. It's an open admission that a government agency was breaking the law, violating the Constitution against all of us, and they just get to get slapped down by a judge, and then everybody just goes back to work like nothing happened. This, this again, continues to be the rub for me. I don't like this. I don't like how they try to break the law. They get caught breaking the law, and then they just get told, don't do that again. And then, of course, they always find another way to do it. This is a huge, huge problem. And we have lots of congressmen and senators not standing up for any of us. They do not represent us, not in the slightest. Neither do local politicians. Neither does local government in any stretch of the imagination. So not to get too far away from this, but again, I do have another story here that's very important that I have to bring up. And again, for those that are aware of the Goyam Defense League and Handsome Truth and all of that, that's the, that's the story I'm going to mention here. And I'm going to play audio regarding this in Florida because it is just awful. It's awful the way that he's been treated. It's awful the way that the citizens of Florida and America are being treated on the First Amendment. It's, it's beyond an abomination, and people need to go to jail for violating our First Amendment rights. But that's not happening. It's judge, jury, and executioner. And if they are all on the same team against the Constitution and against us, we're screwed. So... Regarding the jabs, just quickly, and I want to remind people, again, I know there's a lot of people making a lot of money on Substack, giving out a lot of advice on all these templates that need to be filled out and all these emails that need to be sent and all these things you need to say in meetings and XYZ. You can show up to all the meetings you want, but ultimately, if, if the message that you're trying to get across to these individuals is that they have a job to do, an oath to uphold, on a subject for which they went along with, the bioweapons, and they don't want to come to any admission that they were at fault or that they were tricked or duped or anything, ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to change their ways. So again, I'm going to run down the list very quickly, again, of the people who in my area, certainly the, I would say at least three counties now, all of the avenues that I have exhausted and that those that I've worked with have exhausted. We've exhausted the school boards, period. We've exhausted them. We've emailed them, spoke at their meetings. They haven't done anything. They backed off of the masks, but they did it without apology. They did it because they didn't even want to do it. They wanted to keep the masks in place, but the complaints and the emails persisted, and they had no choice because, again, other schools were starting to do away with them, and so they just went along to get along. That's not, that's not an admission of guilt. That's not accountability. 
That's follow the leader right off a cliff. That's all that that means. Again, spoken at board meetings. What impact did that have on the actual board members themselves? Well, next to zero. If you keep going again, now you're talking about sheriff's departments. Kim Carter and I went to the Butler County Sheriff's Department, attempted to meet with a deputy. We did. He wasn't jabbed. He understood the seriousness of this, but what did he do? He passed the buck to his supervisor. His supervisor then passed the buck to a county prosecutor and said, bring this up to the county prosecutor and see if they can prosecute. I called the prosecutor's office, talked to a prosecutor. He was double jabbed and sick at home and chalked the whole thing up to a political debate. You can't have a political debate in a court, Sean. He said, you've, you got to get, you got to get 12 people to, to, you know, to, to rule in your favor or else you're not going to take it to court. You can't deal with somebody like that on such a serious issue. A matter of, again, First Amendment and also life and death. You, you, can't, you can't bargain with that kind of person. That person is blind. That person is brainwashed to what's happening in the world. And they participated in it. Then, of course, you go down to uh, you know, city council members. Same thing. How many emails can they possibly receive? And I fully understand I haven't shown up at a city council meeting and, and let them have it face-to-face, but they know who I am, and they've received my emails and all of my warnings and all of my documentation and the proof that I'm absolutely correct on that issue. And now the same is true with county commissioners. The county commissioners do not want to meet. They are not emailing me back. So again, people can send out all these templates they want. And, and I would recommend it only from the standpoint of mental clarity, that it's going to give you a level of clarity on the depth of the war that we are facing here. Because again, these people are blind to what they've done to themselves, the people around them, and what they're doing. They actually think they're helping people. Let me give you another quick example of, of just massive tyranny that's happening where I live, and I'm sure it's happening where you live too. Taxes are going through the roof, specifically property taxes. In Butler County, Ohio alone, the county north of Cincinnati, one individual, uh, uh, apparently uh, assigned by Mike DeWine at the, at, the, at the state level in Columbus, is responsible for issuing out property taxes on a county-by-county county basis. There are 88 counties in Ohio, if memory serves. Half of them are going to have their property taxes increase. Butler County is having its property taxes increase by at least 37%. That's massive. And by the way, around where I live, there's farmland, hundreds and hundreds of acres for sale. The farmers can't pay it. They can't pay the property taxes. And again, we got a school district here that still wants a levy to raise everybody's property taxes. That isn't going to happen. That won't pass next year. They'll never get a levy. So the corruption, again, ultimately boils down to just one individual, one female at the, at the, at the Capitol in, in Columbus, being assigned by Mike DeWine and choosing this county and 40-some-odd others to raise their property taxes because, well, they haven't been raised in quite some time, and you know, we, need to, we need to raise taxes to make other ends meet and for all their pet, pro, you know, pet projects and pet programs and everything else. It's going to bankrupt people. People are moving out of here. They're leaving. And as I've said in the past, certainly regarding education, 
is that I believe that a lot of it has to do with confiscating this land, either with China, BlackRock, another foreign country, and ultimately moving in and housing illegal aliens on said property. Again, they can buy up farmland and then put up their quote-unquote affordable housing, and then what do you have? Who's going who's gonna to live in that affordable housing? Yes, there's the 15-minute city debate and that entire scheme that exists, but they're going to move in illegal aliens first. Hell, in, in the town where I live, they're already finding homeless people in other towns and cities and purposefully bringing them here. That's already happening. So again, all of this is a giant infringement on all of our rights. We're, we are being, we're being bankrupted and run out of town because of one individual at the state level who's appointed by the governor. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is what the Second Amendment was for. A tyrannical government that needs to be replaced and replaced by we the people. This is the point. The question becomes, how far does it have to get before everybody is reminded of their, of their constitutional rights? Because at the exact same time, our constitutional rights are being taken away from us. But who's reminding these politicians of this too? Now, there's that famous clip which I've played on war videos before, and it's awesome. It's this giant town hall, and there's a guy in the back of the room, and it could have been a speech given by some politician or you know one of these uh, you know conservative individuals that runs around and acts like they've got every answer. But a guy in the back of the room has a mic put to his face during the Q and A, and he says, "Okay, quick question." He goes, Second Amendment." He goes, "When do we get to use it?" And then some people start laughing, laughing, and. He goes, no, 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 stop. He goes, I'm, I'm serious. He says, how long is it going to take before we just start killing these people? And he says that, and then, you know, everybody's just like, yeah. And then I, I don't know what the guy's response on stage was, but I mean, it's a legit question. And I've asked this question on the show before. How long and how far do things have to get or go before people start saying, okay, look, I've been run out of my own home. I don't have any money anymore. I can't live on my property because the taxes are too high. My mom, for example, went to this meeting where, again, the state representatives were in this room locally in the local city council office where this is taking place in our town. She's taking notes and she's reading, you know, she's going through the entire thing. And one of her friends who's also in the antique business, as my mom is, was, was sitting next to her, and the mayor was there too. He's a piece of trash. But either way, this meeting was being run by, uh, by state politicians and state representatives, and they were in the room. But uh, one, one of my mom's friends, who again owns an antique mall, w- was basically being told again that because of the property that she has and, and the, the quantity or, or size of property that she has, that she openly said that her taxes are going up over 100%. Her property taxes, over 100%. This is, I mean, this is driving people crazy. It's driving people mad. So I wanted to bring that up because, of course, that's huge. But think about the weight of that. And then, of course, think about the inroads that these, again, Zionists are making regarding this also. And it has to do with basic freedom of speech. So here's the case in Florida. Massive free speech case, big deal. Again, huge, huge infringement on 
on the First Amendment, and it should show everybody the depths of the corruption here. There's a guy in Florida. His name is John Menadeo. He's on Gab, and he goes by Handsome Truth. He has a show. He has an approach. And he and his crew are responsible for building these flyers that essentially educate individuals about the Jewish-slash-Zionist influence on government regarding very specific issues. So one of them will be about uh, the historic slave trade back and again, well, dating back centuries, but uh, d- dating back a long, long time ago, clearly, certainly in the, uh, in the 1800s and, and even 1700s and further back than that. Uh, on top of that, he also breaks down a number of other different issues on these flyers. Again, the, the, influ- the, the Jewish and Zionist influence on the medical industry and within the Biden administration. I mean, you can almost pick a subject because, again, we've been infiltrated by these individuals for a very, very long time. Certainly, the Frankfurt School didn't help when it came to the subject of education. They made their way to Columbia University, and now look at all the universities and look what's going on there. So on top of all of that, what he's been doing for a very long time and what numerous people, not only throughout Florida, have been doing, but all over the United States, is they've been printing off these flyers, and they'll put them in Ziploc bags, and then they will put uh, corn kernels or any kind of a, a weighted object inside of the bottom of the bag. They'll zip it up. And then they'll drive around and, and, you know, multiple neighborhoods within a town or city and they'll fling them out of their windows, just like people fling out newspapers or coupon papers or whatever it may be. They don't put it in anybody's uh, mailbox. They don't, they don't run up to people's front steps and, and hit their homes with it. They just throw it in their driveway. So it's essentially political information. But it's historically accurate, too. And it's undeniable. So when an individual is backed into a corner who wants to believe things that aren't real and not examine the facts behind something, what do they do? They name call. They scream all the fake terms that all of the Marxists and and Zionists have created over the course of years, like hate speech and anti-Semite and all these these fake words. They, They use all of those because what they can't do is refute what is on the actual flyers themselves. Now, over the course of at least a year plus, individuals in Florida and certainly law enforcement have been going after these guys and these and these gals for, for doing this. And it's been struck up to littering. That's essentially the complaint, that they've been littering and that people don't want them on their, on their driveways and uh, and when they pass them out, well, they're just littering. Well, as it turns out, it's not litter. They aren't littering. It actually, I mean, they, they very specifically are following the law. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're passing out information because we live in America. And if someone wants to pass out free information, they get to. Now, what doesn't get to happen, as you might expect, is you shouldn't prosecute these individuals for passing out this information even if you don't like it, even if you're not a fan of it. It doesn't matter. But again, think about that. To not be a fan of the truth is remarkably problematic, but it also is very telling because it means that you're more comfortable with your delusion. This is a huge issue. So 
Long story short, and I'm going to play the local news outlet here, and there's also some fascinating things with this particular case. Ultimately, John Menadeo was charged with a misdemeanor. He, he requested a trial by jury. He was given six jurors, and all six jurors found him guilty of littering, essentially. He was charged then by the judge with 30 days in jail, and he was immediately arrested in court and then let out to jail. They're also attempting to put on more charges on top of this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can't move information around, okay, even to individuals' properties, because they don't want to see it or it makes them quote-unquote uncomfortable, that's not a crime. But what this should show people is that it doesn't matter what the truth is as far as this ideology is concerned. And, and whatever, again, whatever you want to call it, if you, if you want to wrap it in, into the, the wide brush of saying it's all Jewish or it's all Zionist or it's all satanic or it's all controlling or deep state or whatever, whatever term you want to use, the fact is, is that again, Jesus Christ distinguished between individuals who followed him and individuals who did not. That's, that's important and that matters. He wasn't, he wasn't scolding all Jews by saying uh, that, that they're all a part of the synagogue of Satan. That's not what he was saying, and he certainly wasn't saying that in the Bible. What he was saying was, is the ones who don't follow him are going to be the problem. That's in the Bible. Now, with that aside for a second, I want to play this audio so you can hear this, you can hear the wrap-up of this case. And then you're, I mean, again, you, you can't make this up. You're going to hear... These random individuals, including a politician, talk about how this is, quote, anti-Semitic, that it's hate speech, and that it is, quote, unquote, religious intimidation. None of those things are crimes. None of them. But you have to remember that it was even Joseph Goebbels who wrote about it, and I've read the quote on the show numerous episodes ago, that the goal among these individuals Again, I would, I would basically call them satanic to some extent because they're not following Christ nor the word and they certainly aren't paying attention to the truth. So that right there should tell you just about all you need to know. But what they are doing is they are trying to criminalize free speech and any criticism of anybody who happens to be a Zionist or Jewish or whatever. To the point where not only will you be in jail, but ultimately the goal is, to, is for the death penalty to exist for anyone who disagrees with them or criticizes them. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't have that in America. And keep in mind, you also had Ron DeSantis sign a, sign a bill into law criminalizing quote-unquote anti-Semitism in Florida. You can't criminalize something that doesn't exist. You can't criminalize the usage of a word that is made up for something that isn't even real. Again, it's a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie, and then you criminalize anybody who criticizes that lie. This is the upside-down world that we live in now. So here's the audio from the local news affiliate regarding this, and again, you're going to hear John Menadeo's voice 
in this as well, along with these other weirdos who have no idea what they're talking about regarding uh, the elimination of freedom of speech and not standing up for the Constitution. So give this a listen in three, two, one. John Minadeo's case in courtroom 2E today was about attempt to commit dumping of litter. But for some of those in the courtroom and those in state office, it was about much more than that. Put all my faith in God, and I do believe that the jury will find me not guilty. Expectation doesn't always match reality in the legal system. A jury unanimously found John Minadio guilty on a littering charge, and his day ended in handcuffs with a 30-day jail sentence. Here's what the defendant Minadio had to say just before the verdict. I do believe that they're trying to censor free speech by using tactics like littering. The case dates back to March when West Palm Beach police found Minadio and a group of men tossing anti-Semitic literature from a U-Haul truck. People in the courtroom today, like Maxine Sutherland, called the flyers hate speech and said it was important for her to show up. Because I am a Jew. And the hideous, vile hatred that these men were throwing at at people's doors. They have no right to do it. Minadio's offense missed the passage of House Bill 269 by a matter of weeks, a measure introduced by Republican Congressman Mike Caruso, a direct response to hate in the state that would come with felony charges. And it expands the penalties on crimes already in the Florida statutes, which when carried out um, by an individual who displays religious or ethnic intimidation, threat, or intent to harm, to that of a hate crime punishable as a third-degree felony. He went on to say those crimes can include the dumping of litter or projection of images on buildings, things that have happened in West Palm Beach, under the umbrella of hate speech. Minadio says he's not a fan. I believe HB 269 is unconstitutional. I've... In the meantime, Sutherland says it's important to take a stand. But we have to work with it. We have to have the courage to speak up and not let these thugs get away with their just pure evil. In Palm Beach County, Chris Gilmore, WPTV News Channel 5. My apologies if I mispronounced his name, Minadio. It could be Minadio. I'm not sure. My apologies again. Um, I think that pretty much proves my point, that audio clip right there. I mean, that proves it. In one fell swoop, what John has done is he's openly shown how corrupt the entire system is when it comes to the Constitution. The judge should be disbarred. The DA, who allowed this to go through, should be disbarred. But what does that show you? It shows you that they're all bought off. It shows you that they're all on the same team, and they're all on the team that is against the Constitution, which means they're also against our forefathers and the founders of this country, and so on and so on and so on. And then what did they have, you know, happen to do? They happened to interview a random old woman who said, well, I'm here because I'm Jewish. Well, good for you. The public gets to show up, but they don't get to interview her like she's some expert on the law or let alone history because she certainly isn't. Here's what they also did, or I should say did not do during the, uh, during the news outlet. They never showed the flyers themselves. Why? Why would they not show the flyers? 
rather interesting, isn't it? I mean, that is evidence, and it was it, it was brought to the court in the early preliminary hearings as actual evidence. On basically, at which point the judge herself had to read the titles of the of the beginning of the flyer, but wouldn't read the entire flyer. They just submitted them into evidence, and then she would read them one at a time. Again, just the title at the top, and then uh, and then move on to the next flyer. So here's the cool thing. If you get on YouTube and you bounce over there, which is WPTV News Florida, I think, and uh, Channel 5, the video that I just played is titled, Neo-Nazi Found Guilty After Distributing Anti-Semitic Material in West Palm Beach. Well, the term neo-Nazi isn't even real also. Again, the name-calling is all designed to divide and discriminate against individuals who may know more than someone else. And then, of course, the anti-Semitic term yet again. Here's where, again, it really does get interesting. If you bounce into the comments section, it gets real flippin' juicy. Because under the comments section, you have individuals who know exactly what's going on. And again, these politicians are being called out and these judges are being called out. So here's the top rated comment. It has 220, uh, 224 thumbs ups. It's, at the time that I took this screenshot, it was from 11 hours ago. It says the following, quote, it's free speech. And this judge has opened the door to civil rights violation charges. The next comment or reply below that says, violating who? There's no enforcement of the Constitution when those in power are entrusted to enforce it. Next person says, that's what 42 U.S.C. 1983 is for, though it's the DA and not the judge who should be facing that. The DA acted extremely corrupt in in the case with unsigned secret warrants and the whole nine yards for littering. Then another person asked, was, was the judge Jewish? Then another person says, thank you for proving this man right about your intentions and adherence to constitutional values. Next comment says, this is freedom of speech and not a hate crime. This is not litter. A, b- a bill that had to be signed in Israel, and it was by Ron DeSantis. It says, can someone please explain how, how this is even American? Another one says, they'll call you anti-Semitic, but they can't call you a liar. Another one says, John just got that paycheck. What was anti-Semitic? Question mark. What was, uh, I'm sorry, what did these flyers say? Why does the news cover it up? When was the last time someone went to jail for littering? Another one says, the purpose of free speech is not to talk about the weather. Who was on that jury? Frankly, women shouldn't be allowed on a jury or to be a judge. They just don't get it. <laughs> okay. Another one said, uh, this is a violation of Menedeo's rights. This should go to the Supreme Court. The Flyers had factual information on them. It should go to the Supreme Court. Whether they take it up or not is another matter, but this is, this is a massive problem. Another comment said again, this is absolute tyranny. Thank you for proving everything that John Menadeo stands for. Another one said, uh, what has happened to our rights in this country? Just because words hurt some people's feelings doesn't mean you can take the rights of others away. 
People fought and died for us to exercise these rights free, John. And then finally, four more comments again. One says, persecuted for speaking freely, imprisoned for speech. The end of the First Amendment. Shame. Another one says, doesn't sound like litter, sounds like valuable information full of, full of shocking facts. Another one then says below that, for those not in the know, the flyers said nothing hateful at all. They merely listed the names of people who are at the highest echelons of power in our government. That's true, by the way. I have copies of the flyers. I've read the flyers. They're historically accurate. They have links to gather more information. And they call out, again, people's names and people's lineage and people's heritage. And then, of course, the organizations that they work for, along with providing history lessons. It's just historic fact. In, in fact, I should take it to this extent. That would be very interesting for someone to give a, a history examination and a history lesson on what is on those flyers within a, within a, a K-12 history class. It truly would be interesting because, again, there are states in the United States that have allowed such debate and free speech to actually still exist. Not so in the state of Florida, apparently, but it certainly does exist. And then, of course, the last comment again says they call you anti-Semitic because they can't call you a liar. Again, those, those, are, the top, those are the top rated comments under the video, and that's the news channels and the news stations video. Why they would even allow the comments section to be open is astounding to me, but they did leave it open, and w whereas many do not, and then they just got throttled in the comments section. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big problem. This is a big problem. This is the motive. This is what's happening. This is, this is the state of our country and the state of numerous countries around the world. If, if you say anything or question anything about Zionist Jewish influence in government or over policy, and you do that in foreign countries, you go to jail. Ursula Heverbeck continues to be one of the uh, premium examples of this. The woman was in her 90s when she was thrown in a German jail for questioning the Holocaust and saying it didn't happen because it didn't happen. So you're not allowed to say that something didn't happen. And then she was again released from jail and then she was put back in jail for saying it again. And then she was released yet again. But she spent years in jail as a 90-year-old, for questioning the Holocaust and saying that it didn't happen. Wrap your head around that. Being thrown in jail for questioning something. That's where we are in the United States. That's exactly what's happened here. And, of course, they're you know, using the law and manipulating the law and policy and everything else, procedure, ordinances, whatever else, which aren't laws, to basically bend them to chalk it up to attempt at littering. Again, there's a difference between disseminating factual information and then having and, and doing that legally, and certainly legally once in a particular area. But if individuals in that area get together and say, look, we get it, we just don't want this on our property anymore and thrown in our driveway anymore, well, that's fine. And that means that the individuals who are, who are, disseminating the factual information should be told by law enforcement that this particular neighborhood or this particular street doesn't want this information anymore. Well, 
perfect. Then they won't return to that particular road or that particular neighborhood, and they won't disseminate the information again. And that's already happened. Again, numerous videos on Gab of these guys getting pulled over by police and, and being detained for short amount of time. When, of course, they'll openly be told by police, you know, they'll say, well, the people in this neighborhood don't want this. And then they look back at the police and they say, well, we haven't been told that by them. We haven't been told that by them and you're telling us. So if you're telling us, then we won't come back here. And then they always let them go because they have to, because they haven't broken a law. So if you're doing something with someone else, again, engaging in freedom of speech, and the police warn you and say, look, we understand freedom of speech exists, but you can't, you, you can't do this in this particular area anymore. Or else, you know, we're going to have to ticket you or we're, we're going to have to detain you or, or whatever else. And those people keep returning and doing it. Well, then, as even police have said, well, then that can basically bump its way up to harassment. It wouldn't be any different again if someone was throwing one of those useless coupon papers on local issues or, you know, whatever other crap used to be in those little papers. And they'd whip it into your driveway. And then you'd immediately pick it up, never look at it, never open it and toss it right in your trash. Those things kept being disseminated on numerous people's property, which ironically enough was the lawyer for John. Uh, that, was, that was her approach also. Her approach was like, look, we used to get these papers on our driveways all the time. We either would read them or we wouldn't. We didn't necessarily like them showing up because we would just throw them away. But again, there's nothing on the flyers that's hate-filled. They're not calling them names. They're not, you know, they're not doing any of that. It's freedom of speech. It's America. If you don't like it, too bad. Too bad. Maybe you have more to learn. And as it turns out, and this, of course, is the, is the massive irony, the individuals using the derogatory terms are the individuals like the woman that you just heard who said, well, I'm here because I'm Jewish. Well, great. She gets to be there. That's fine. But even, even the news outlet called them neo-Nazis and anti-Semites. Those are derogatory terms. Again, there are no derogatory terms on the flyers. It doesn't use the derogatory terms that exist for individuals who are Zionists or Jewish or, or whatever. It, it doesn't say any of those words. So one side gets to use those words and the other doesn't. So one side doesn't use it and the other does, and the side that doesn't use it on flyers that they're disseminating are prosecuted and jailed, whereas the other individuals get to use them freely, and that's 100% fine. Everything boils down to a people's lack of understanding. And yes, it always boils down to the brainwashing from the school system that we've all been subjected to, but if something makes someone uncomfortable, it's because that person doesn't know anything about said subject. That's the only thing that brings about discomfort. Once a person learns the truth about something, it's not uncomfortable. It's unfortunate, is what it is, and it's disappointing, but it's not uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is a feeling, and facts are not feelings. They're not even in the same ballpark. But the people who try to justify feelings as facts, those are the individuals that do not want to hear the facts. Those are the people that are afraid of the facts. And if the facts are criminalized in America, and telling and sharing the facts are criminalized in America, we don't have a country. 
Now, this next story right here, believe it or not, ties in perfectly. And this right here should show everybody the hypocrisy of not only that case, but the actions of the state of Florida itself. This is from MSN.com. This is from just a couple of days ago via Politico. It is titled, Florida Joins Conservative States Severing Ties with National Library Group. Now, why is that the case? Why are they severing ties with the American Library Association or Librarians Association? It says the move by DeSantis and his administration puts Florida in line with a cadre of Republican states and lawmakers leveling scrutiny on ALA, labeling the group as toxic and a conduit for exposing children to pornography, claims refuted by the organization and its supporters. Now here's the problem. Again, on one hand, they're saying that they want to criminalize quote-unquote anti-Semitism. On the other hand, the state openly removes themselves from the American Librarian, Librarians Association or Library Association, and they're doing so because of the pornographic books that exist in K-12 school libraries. Who writes those books? And who publishes those books? As it turns out, the vast majority of them are Marxist Jews. That's just the way that it is. That's a fact. That, and, and I should say, that's a historic fact. Those, again, were the books that Adolf Hitler's administration allowed the citizens of Germany to burn. And they burned them for a day, one day, on college campuses and university campuses. And they were allowed to get rid of this degenerate filth, and rightfully so. Again, exposing children to pornography is that agenda. That's, that's the point. It says conservatives in a growing number of states, including Alabama, Wyoming, Missouri, Texas, and now Florida, have severed affiliations with the ALA in part over the groups choosing a new president, Emily Drabinsky who in 2022 tweeted out that she's a Marxist. She said, quote, I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power is possible to build and can be wielded for, better, for a better world is the president-elect of the ALA. Drabinsky posted on social media after she became president of the group. I am so excited for what we will do together, solidarity, exclamation point, and my mom is so proud, I love you mom. She later deleted the tweet and was shocked at the backlash over it. What's the old meme also? They will, they will, they will, uh, uh, what is it? They will scream that they are the victim while they are beating you, something like that. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. The hypocrisy here is astounding, and it is at face value. And for someone to not pick up on this, again, you've got your head in the sand and you're not connecting the dots. Now, here's what the Florida Library Association said. They said, quote, it believes that this limitation will hurt Florida libraries' ability to serve our residents. Jenny, uh, let's see, how do you pronounce this one? Abdelanor, no chance, executive director of Florida Library Association, 
wrote in an email sent to members surrounding the rule. She declined to comment further on the policy change. Why? Things getting a little uncomfortable for you? Standing on shaky ground, are you? I have to say this too, even from a organizational standpoint and an educational organizational standpoint, the mere existence of school districts or an entire state, which as we know is all government, being affiliated with these state agencies and outside agencies, so to speak, even though they're all sort of on the inside and one and the same, the simple fact that that exists means by default that you have no freedom in education, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, or any of that specifically within the K-12 education realm, whether it be public, private, or charter. It should tell you that the influence comes from the top and works its way down. No school district should be associating with any association at all, period. No association. They shouldn't be affiliated with superintendents' associations. They shouldn't have teachers' unions. They shouldn't be affiliated with library associations. No association whatsoever with anything. Their only association should be to the truth. That's it. But as we know, that's not the case, is it? The homeschooling family is the only one that affiliates by themselves with themselves. And hopefully they affiliate with God, the Bible, and the Constitution. And that's it. Because you don't need anything else outside of that. Anything else outside of those things is essentially too many hands in the cookie jar. Anything outside of that is, is just puppet strings pulling on these local state governments, again, right down to a local school board and, and just manipulating them and influencing them, giving them kickbacks, et cetera, et cetera. This is the problem. There's too many associations. There's too many affiliations. And this was one of those things that was ingrained in us back when we were in college as education majors. They would say, well, you need to be affiliated with fill in the blank. You need to be a member of this association, fill in the blank. You need to be a part of this particular national or state association. And they just become lines on a resume. But what people don't understand is, is that when you associate with them, it's guilt by association also. So if the ALA is promoting the use of pornographic cartoon books, where two kids are engaging in sexual acts with one another, and this is being normalized and then available in libraries for minors to read, ladies and gentlemen, that's not a healthy association. It's not a moral association. It's not an objective association. It's degenerate. And again, who writes the books, who publishes the books, who markets the books, and who allows the books to be in the libraries? You know the answer to that question. Now, again, not only does this stretch into American K-12 education, and you know that it does, and has for quite some time, a very long time, but it stretches into higher ed as well. Higher ed continues to be a cesspool, including the individuals that work within. Let me give you a very recent example. This was just the other day, November 1st, and this was from Libs of TikTok, which again, 
She's a Zionist, okay, but she does expose this, which again should show everybody her hypocrisy, that even she is unaware that the individuals that she is defending are largely responsible for perpetuating the very problem that she is profiting off of. But either way, this has to do with Miami University. So someone sent this to Libs of TikTok from Miami University who knew that this was going on. Here's what Libs of TikTok said. They said, yes, this is real. Community manager at Miami University invited students to come, C-U-M, join spooky sex, quote-unquote, in a basement and win sex toys. And then they said, is this what Miami University is using tuition money and hundreds of thousands of dollars they received in federal funding on? And here is the online post that was made apparently by one of their employees. It says the following, and again, it's right underneath their name. So this was an email. Uh, the Let me see. The subject line is spooky sex in Emerson. And Emerson is a... Uh, is a dining hall and a, a residency hall. This is from a Ariana Mumford, a black woman. And they said, quote, you're missing this, they said so-and-so, so it's someone's name. You're missing this spooky sex that's happening in Emerson Hall basement right now. Come, C-U-M, enjoy some free pizza and contraceptives and compete for the chance to win some sex toys. See you soon, smiley face. Ariana K. Mumford, pronouns she, her. So that should tell you all you need to know. And her title is Community Manager, Office of Residence Life, Miami University, Emerson Hall, 699 Maple Street, Oxford, Ohio, 45056. Phone number 513-529-3446. There you go. How appropriate is that? Is that appropriate? No, it's not. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. This is, this is the blindness of, of these individuals that go along with these kinds of ideologies. They just blindly believe that everybody thinks that what they're saying is, is correct. Or th that it is, it is the way that things are. No, it is not the way that things are. This is disgusting. And she should be fired, but she won't be. Why? Why won't she lose her job? I'll let you wrestle with that one. This again, this is your diversity, equity, and inclusion in action. If it were a white woman doing this, she'd lose her job and they'd make an example out of her. But that's not the case here, is it? And she may even be gay. She's got the she, her pronouns. That's kind of the giveaway sometimes, unless it says they or something like that, in which case they're, you know, more brainwashed than usual. But it'll be interesting to see if she loses her job, but that just happened the other day. I'm not holding my breath on a job loss there. They'll bring her in, they'll say, look, this was inappropriate, you, you shouldn't be doing this, you know, this isn't, this isn't good, donors aren't going to like this, parents are complaining. So we're just going to reprimand you, and, uh, and you're going to have to issue an apology and blah, blah, blah. But if it were anybody else, they'd throw the book at her. And again, the comments section on Twitter regarding that story is just hilarious. 
Some people are trying to justify it and say, hey, look, it's they're just having some fun. They're practicing safe sex by handing out contraceptives and blah, 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 and, you know, whatever else. No, 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 no. That's not what this is. They're normalizing this degeneracy on a constant basis because, let's face it, that's the environment. It's always been the environment. It's not changing. Okay. I got a couple of K-12 stories here from New Mexico, the 51st state in the United States regarding uh, education. Of course, worse than D.C., the formal, former District of Columbia. Sicily threw this my way. This is titled, Metro School Districts Show Drop in 2022 Graduation Rates. Give this audio a listen in 3, 2, 1. And we start tonight at five with some frightening facts that have nothing to do with Halloween. We're talking about our state's recent released graduation rates for 2022. The numbers from the state public education department show metro schools had some of the largest drops in graduations. Spencer Schott spoke to the leader of our state's largest school district about this. So Spencer, did he give any reason for this drop? Well, Julie, APS Superintendent Scott Elder does have an explanation for some of these numbers from 2022. He says they were still seeing the impacts of the pandemic at this time. According to Elder, virtual and hybrid learning, along with other COVID restrictions, were still impacting students as they went back to the classroom for the first time in more than a year. Albuquerque Public Schools graduation rates for 2022 was just above 69%. Now that's quite the drop from 2021's 75% graduation rate. Superintendent Scott Elder says they saw this drop coming during the pandemic. I don't think it's a surprise that you see that reflected in, in that year's graduation data. And I think you may see that for a couple of years because kids fell a bit behind and credits were hard to make up. While kids have been back in the classroom for the last two years, these graduation numbers are from two years ago. But this downward trend is not a statewide phenomenon. In Farmington, they saw an increase. Graduations going up nearly 4% from 2021. Down south, Roswell had nearly 3% increase and Las Cruces less than a half percent increase. But Santa Fe, Albuquerque, and Los Lunas all saw some of the biggest drops in the state. So why did the metro area take the hardest hit. I do think it was exaggerated in the urban uh, settings. Um, you think about some of our small rural settings where they maybe had 12 graduates, you know, or 25 graduates. It's a little bit different to be able to reach out to that number and try to make adjustments and try to catch them up than it is with some of the larger classes. Knowing this would be an issue, APS has put in some new safety nets in place to try to get it back to where they were. We added online tutoring uh, uh, beginning last year and really this year, which has been a, a really nice tool for our teachers. Um, we are continuing to work with families and to make sure that they're aware where their students are behind. We offered uh, summer school for those students who needed to make up credits, and we used ESSER funds to help fund that so that kids didn't have a financial burden on them to try to catch up. But even with all these programs, Superintendent Elder doesn't think we'll see an increase in graduation rates in 2023. Well, I'm hopeful that we'll see a beginning trend back up. It wouldn't surprise me if it stayed flat, just because, again, these are students that really were impacted by the pandemic. Now this year, the legislature also extended the school year for all New Mexico students. Now, Superintendent Elder says while he thinks in the, law, in the long run, a longer year would be good for students, he doesn't think we're going to see those benefits in the next year either. Back to you. All right, we'll see what happens, Spencer. Thank you. Yes, we will see what happens. We certainly will. 69.4% graduation rate, and what was the cause? You guessed it, the pandemic.
strikes again. The old pandemic yarn strikes again. We don't see those uh, trends increasing or getting better necessarily. We sure hope so, but uh, we don't. We don't see that, in, you know, being the case. Of course, you don't, because you're not going to say what the real cause is. Which is, frankly, your school system sucks. That's number one. Your teaching lies. Number two, and number three, more people are waking up and not going to your school systems anymore. That's why you have a lowered graduation rate. They're not showing up anymore. They're homeschooling themselves. They're out, and they're not coming back. Because just like waking up and not being a sheep anymore, you don't go back to sleep. Once you're out of the school system and you're homeschooling yourself and you're teaching yourself and reading and writing on your own and investigating things on your own, you never go back. So this is all good news. This is good news. These places, I'm telling you what, I'm starting to see more and more people online, in particular those responding to me on Gab, saying the same stuff, and it's great. It's that you cannot fix these places. They have to be destroyed. And the only way to destroy them, the fastest way to destroy them, is to walk away and never return. It's brilliant. I love it. Keep it coming. Keep it happening and keep it coming. Here's another one from New Mexico, and Cicely sent this my way too. This is just, this is outrageous also. Uh, let's see, the Albuquerque Public Schools, long story short here, although I'm going to play the audio and it's about eight or nine minutes long. They did a little internal vest in investigation, the local news affiliate, and found that Albuquerque Public School District had spent over $300,000 on defibrillators for all of their buildings. And now they've removed all of the defibrillators. Now, why did they remove them? Well, they removed them because they don't want to pay for the batteries that are associated with the defibrillators and replacing the batteries, which, as the individuals and professionals in this say, look, these will work for four to five years on the same batteries. And all they do is take about, whatever it is, about half a dozen to just over half a dozen C batteries per device. Now, of course, it begs the question, why on earth do you have these in the first place? Well, you've got them all in the first place because, well, let's face it, everybody's jabbed in these environments by and large. Not everybody, of course, but certainly a great deal. So they decided to get all these defibrillators a few years back. And now they're lying and saying they're all outdated when clearly they aren't. So they removed them all. And now they're saying it's a potential liability by having them there that if they don't work or the people don't know how to use them or whatever other excuse they're making, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. The fact is, is that they just don't want to pay to replace the batteries in these defibrillators. But, you know, you're clearly going to need them in the future. I mean, you're jabbed. So, yeah. Listen to their excuses, though, in this entire story here in 3, 2, 1. Albuquerque public school officials dump hundreds of thousands of dollars of life-saving equipment in the trash. Most of those devices had never been used. In fact, some were brand new. Tonight, News 13's Larry Barker investigates a matter of life and death at APS. The evidence is stashed inside an Albuquerque warehouse. Piles of discarded electronic devices worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
Even though most have never been used, Albuquerque school officials dumped them in salvage bins last year. They're called defibrillators, or AEDs. For anyone experiencing sudden cardiac arrest, an AED is a life-saving device. Defibrillators are, hold a unique place in the medical toolbox. They're the only device that can take somebody whose future is death, certain death, and restore them to life. Dr. Sean Mazur is a cardiologist with the New Mexico Heart Institute. Prior to the advent of defibrillators, the chances of surviving cardiac arrest was basically zero. In order to provide for the well-being of students and staff, APS spent almost $300,000 to place defibrillators in every school building throughout the district. Last year, however, APS changed its mind and threw them all out. Cheryl Brubaker is the APS Director of Nursing Services. Today, what value do those defibrillators have to the district? Mm. To understand why this is important, you have to know something about AEDs. For someone having a cardiac event, an AED can deliver an electrical shock to the heart and help restore it to a normal rhythm. Shock advised. Charging. Stay clear of patient. Today, you find AEDs in most public places, including UNM. The nice thing about the AED units are they are really made for anybody to be able to use them. It gives the, the, the directions very loud and clear, and so it would be uh, really difficult to try to, uh, to accidentally make a mistake. Dr. Denise Kessler is medical director for UNM's AED program. We have AEDs because they have been known to save lives. We want to make sure that if somebody has a sudden cardiac arrest, that we can help them to come back to life. Uh, it might be somebody's mother. It might be somebody's child. We just want to make sure that we do what we can to help those people survive. Across town, APS also recognized the life-saving value of AEDs. But don't be deceived by these signs. If a teacher's heart stops at APS and they need a defibrillator to save their life, all they'll find will be an empty cabinet. I recommended the removal of old 20-year-old defibrillators that could no longer be repaired, could no longer be maintained, that there were no longer any parts for, and the old defibrillators needed to be removed. Scott Elder is the APS superintendent. It's kind of like parts for a lot of things. Eventually, the technology becomes obsolete, and you just can't buy the parts for it. I think that's happening with the AEDs. So APS gathered up all 185 defibrillators and threw them away. Where are the AEDs that were removed from the district schools last year? I believe they're with maintenance and operations, salvage. And all the ones that are sitting at maintenance and operations are obsolete and non-working. Yes. However, APS is misinformed. According to the manufacturer, none of the AEDs are obsolete and all of them are serviceable. Lauren Saban is a distributor of FDA-approved AEDs. This one came from Fleet Management. Let me ask you, is this machine right here? obsolete and unrepairable? The answer would be no. The AD Plus is still manufactured. I'll bet we could get this device working. So how do you fix it? Change batteries. Put in new batteries. 
And this device is as good as new. Unit, okay. This device is ready to save a life. What was wrong with this device? It lacked the maintenance, the consumables that must be replaced every four to five years. And that's it? That's it. Like many devices such as cameras, AEDs are battery powered. Every few years, you have to change batteries. It's as simple as that. Now, APS is required to test its AEDs monthly to ensure the batteries and pads are current. However, APS could not produce any documentation showing it had routinely maintained or tested its defibrillators, which is mandated by state law. Now, this defibrillator was at Governor Bent Elementary, and it does have a maintenance record. This unit was last checked and tested 11 years ago. The district's failure to maintain AEDs came to a head after Cheryl Brubaker raised a red flag. In an email last year, she wrote, The AEDs are all outdated and will need to be removed or replaced. She said obsolete defibrillators placed APS at increased liability because APS cannot be sure its AEDs will function properly. Now, how do you know that they were outdated? We could not get replacement pads. We could not get replacement batteries. We could not get service for them. However, APS could not provide any evidence its AEDs were obsolete or unserviceable. In fact, the AED Plus is still manufactured today. Batteries and pads are widely available, even on Amazon. Ultimately, it was not medical professionals who advised what to do with the AEDs. It was the lawyers. You see, APS attorneys said inoperative defibrillators could create a liability problem. So instead of just putting in new batteries, administrators emptied the schools of all 185 life-saving devices and sent them to salvage. Most had never been used, and some were brand new. Attorneys felt that there was not a statute that said we had to have them. They felt that having a device that might misfunction or not be used properly opened us to liability. Scott Elder made the decision to discard the AEDs. They weren't being used, and I just think that's a, a big element. We looked at how many times they'd been utilized in all the years we'd had them, and it had only was been used once, only used one time in 20 years. It, it just didn't seem like the best use of the taxpayer's dollar. I would say that even the use of one defibrillation over the course of many years is worth it. Um, because the chance of survival for the person that got that delivered shock is, 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 is really high. Nine out of 10 uh, cardiac arrests that are given a shock by an AED survive. UNM cardiologist Dr. Abinash Achraker is past president of the American Heart Association. I don't think I would be comfortable sending my child to a school that didn't have an AED. We have to remember that there's students in schools, but there's teachers, there's staff, there's guests, um, and children do have cardiac arrest. Today, if a teacher at Lou Wallace Elementary has a heart attack, can they count on an APS defibrillator to save their life? They can count on the nurse, the health assistant, or school staff to effectively respond and activate EMS. Can they count on an APS defibrillator to save their life? If we do not have 
defibrillators, then they need to count on EMS response. If somebody is suffering from sudden cardiac death, there is no alternative to a defibrillator. APS has not decided what to do with the pile of discarded defibrillators. Larry Barker, KRQE News 13. NMAA sanctioned events. Last year, APS spent $34,000 to install new defibrillators at school athletic departments. They're not the sharpest knives in the drawer, ladies and gentlemen. They just aren't. And they've pretty much pretty much exposed themselves and given that away. Again, at the very least, a school nurse should have one. Every athletic team should have access to them. Certainly the uh you know the individuals who are in charge of physical education, they should all receive the training on using these. But again, I don't uh I, I yeah. I mean why? Why else would you get rid of them? You would have to get rid of them again because either you don't want to pay for the batteries or is it because you just want a bunch of dead people around? What is it? And they're worried about liability. That seems funny. If you're worried about the devices not working because you don't want to replace the batteries, you should be worried more that you don't have access to them and you have an entire population or certainly the majority, we can assume, of your population within your buildings are jabbed. Do you not know that people are falling over from heart attacks? as a result of uh, taking the same jabs that you probably pushed in your entire population. Ironically enough, there was a story, I think, that came out of Italy. It was a research study that said that uh, cognitive decline or mental illness is potentially a uh, side effect of the so-called jab. Well, yeah, we know that, and it seems to be the case here. Unless, of course, there's some money laundering taking place or, uh, you know, something else going on that that we're unaware of. There's always a depopulation agenda after all, so who knows? Could be that too. Absolutely ridiculous. What what a what a bunch of wasteful spending. But nobody wastes it more like the American education system. So there you go. Okay. Uh finally, although it's not really finally regarding education, I have two more stories here, and one of them, the the last one sort of slips into the into the jab talk also. I wanted to play this audio. This was Donald Trump the other day giving one of his uh, little speeches here inside of whatever room he's in, where he's got the flags behind him, and he's proposing a new plan for what he calls the American Academy. Now, this is about uh, almost three minutes long. I'm just going to play it, let you listen to it, and then I'll dive in with my opinion on the other end. So give this a listen in three, two, one. Recent weeks, Americans have been horrified to see students and faculty at Harvard and other once-respected universities expressing support for the savages and jihadists who attacked Israel. We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to offer something dramatically different. Under the plan I'm announcing today, we will take the billions and billions of dollars that we will collect by taxing, fining, and suing excessively large private university endowments. And we will then use that money to endow a new institution called the American Academy. Its mission will be to make a truly world-class education available to every American free of charge and do it without adding a single dime to the federal debt. 
This institution will gather an entire universe of the highest quality educational content covering the full spectrum of human knowledge and skills and make that material available to every American citizen online for free. Whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting or training in a skilled trade, the goal will be to deliver it and get it done properly. Using study groups, mentors, industry partnerships, and the latest breakthrough in computing, this will be a truly top-tier education option for the people. It will be strictly non-political, and there will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed. None of that's going to be allowed. Most importantly, the American Academy will compete directly with the existing and very costly four-year university system by granting students to Greek credentials that the U.S. government and all federal contractors will henceforth recognize. The Academy will award the full and complete equivalent of a bachelor's degree. In addition to help the 40 million Americans who have some college education but no degree, the American Academy will grant credit for past coursework at legacy institutions and give you the chance to complete your education at the American Academy for free and much more quickly than is now possible or available. This will be a revolution in higher education and will provide life-changing opportunities for tens of millions of our citizens. Enjoy it, learn from it, and thank you. Okay. First of all, uh, I have to tell you, I mean, it is it really is exhausting. I, I do not like anybody who is blurring the lines with with word usage and name usage and definitions and then those lines become so blurred that they're essentially oh i don't know uh mixing everything together to make it sound as if ev- they're all the same somehow again at the beginning there he's defending israel being um you know defending themselves quote unquote or uh you know the terrible attacks because of communist jihadists and Marxists, ladies and gentlemen, they're not the same. They aren't the same. They're polar opposites. Jihadists are not communists. Communists and Marxists are typically the same by and large, but they're not jihadists. I mean, they're all radical. Yeah, no doubt. But he's clearly carrying water for Zionists or Israel or certain people in Israel. I don't know who he's carrying water for. None of it makes sense. The president of Harvard's a Jewish man. He's the one who's rolling around being the Bolshevik against Palestinian students. Donald Trump knows this. Why is he not speaking out about that? Why isn't he playing the objective card and calling it right down the middle the way that it should be called? I think we know why, and I clearly disagree with him on this. I disagree with him on a lot of things. There may be some strategic value to him doing this. I don't see it personally. He's ostracizing endless individuals and, frankly, looks foolish in the process. That's my take. Now, with that aside, let's go into his little uh, American you know, Freedom Academy thing, American Academy. My question is always going to remain the same. Is the truth going to be allowed to be taught? Who is going to do the teaching? 
There's no way this is going to be free. How are you going to pay people? Who is going to put this curriculum together? What's the curriculum going to look like? Who's going to do some of the online instructing? I like that he's setting it up as an online environment if this is a real proposal. But is it going to have Zionist influence? Is the Heritage Foundation going to be a part of this? That's no good. The Heritage Foundation already has a giant document already predetermined for Donald Trump. I've, I've gone through much of it. I haven't gone through the whole thing on the show, but I went through a part of it a number of episodes ago. It's suspicious because the Heritage Foundation is Zionist. They get money from endless entities, again, that all have to play ball, and they all have to play the same game. And if they don't play the same game, well, you're not going to be able to affiliate with them. This is a First Amendment free speech issue also. How much truth is actually going to be taught or be allowed to be written about or spoken about if someone were to attend this quote-unquote online university called the American Academy? Again, it all sounds nice. They're selling it as being free for everybody. All of your credits will immediately transfer over. He, he makes the assumption, or he certainly uh, alludes to the fact that it will be accredited. I know that people will criticize him online and say, well, what about your Trump University? How did that work out? It wasn't accredited, and you stole money and were forced to give it back, and blah, blah, blah. I don't think he'd make the same mistake twice. The question is, well, he certainly wouldn't, I don't think, from an accreditation standpoint. But the question becomes again. Are you going to allow for freedom of speech? Are you going to allow for freedom of thought? And if the answer is no, well, then there's nothing American about it. So that's my, that's my two cents. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't buy it. I said the same thing on Gab. I said, hell, pay me and I'll affiliate with it. I'll even help you build it. The problem is, I'll help you build the instruction. The problem is, is that the question really becomes again, how much freedom are you going to allow? Are your constitutional rights going to remain intact, or are they going to be stripped from you the moment that you say something that somebody disagrees with? This is the war. This is the civil war. It's right here. It's not going away. Serious questions with this. I have serious questions. And again, whoever is putting it together, those people need to be examined. Those groups and those affiliations need to be examined. There's no way you have something like this for free and have it be accredited without serious instruction taking place to some extent. You have to have serious instruction, which means you have to have instructors. So again, what are the courses? You know, I mean, th th there's no specifics. It's just a proposal. I'm going to propose this. Well, great. I have a proposal too. If you're going to make a proposal, be more specific and do it right the first time. But don't make, don't open it up by saying that the reason that you see a need for this is because of communist Marxist jihadists on college campuses like Harvard. All of that is an oxymoron, and all of that is uh, hypocritical. The president is a, is a Jewish Zionist. You have Palestinians standing up for themselves by marching around with, with the occasional sign. They're not threatening anybody's life. But then you have Jewish students in affiliation with the university driving around, doxing, using Bolshevik tactics, which are Jewish, doxing those individuals 
on, on, on the side of an electronic bus that's showing their face, name, phone number, and address so that they can be harassed, either in person, online, or anywhere else. But you're not speaking out against that? Come on, dude. Get with a program. Get with a program. I'm glad you're calling out Marxists and communists. Good for you. But stop wrapping a fascist and a jihadist in. I'm not saying I agree with that either. I clearly don't. But again, the history of these words matters. I'm not for jihadists. Those are individuals engaging in religious wars that include the death of people who don't agree with what they think. That's a bit extreme, don't you? I mean, wouldn't you say? A fascist was a term that was created to, again, counter Bolsheviks. If you were a fascist, you were simply anti-Bolshevism. That's what that meant. That, that's what that meant. That was the whole definition of the word when it was created. Again, communist and Marxist, that goes without saying. It's our way or the highway. Honestly, you can't blur the lines of this. I mean, hell, what did Steve Bannon the other day say? I put this out on Gab too. I, I again, you know, it's it's. It, it really is amazing. It's very fortuitous that I will just click in for quite literally five seconds and I'll get a soundbite that I cannot believe I'm actually hearing with my own ears. I, I turned on, right before Stu Peters the other day, I turned on Steve Bannon on Real America's Voice and what did I hear him say? He said, and I'm quoting him, is almost a direct quote. He said, there's no more unsafe place or there's no unsafer place for Jewish students than a college campus in America. There's no more unsafe place. And he said it so seriously. And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? What about anybody else? Not to mention, I mean, do me a favor. Where are all of these Jewish students being attacked on college campuses? Are they being beaten up in the middle of the street? Are they being shot, stabbed, robbed? Is this happening? Because I don't see this happening. Are, are, are Jewish students being doxxed on the side of electronic trucks? I'm not seeing that happen. Freedom of expression and freedom of thought you know, gets to exist, but putting people in harm's way or harassing people to the point where they're being, again, having their identities revealed to the public in order to be harassed by anyone and everyone seems rather dangerous, doesn't it? I'm telling you. The Zogbots are coming out of the woodwork. We're getting to see them. We're getting to see them. Everybody's being exposed here. This is certainly biblical. I've said it a thousand times. It, it's, not, it's not going away. It isn't going away. Okay. Moving on here. Um, a listener of the show, who I've referenced in the past, just sent this to me as I was recording, and I, I, I want to just make a brief mention of it. It's absolutely hilarious. But they work in a university in Virginia, and they sent me a huge list, and it is glorious. Just this huge list of political panic in Virginia. These stories range from everything having to do with Barack Obama uh, running, you know, basically trying to help people with their own campaigns in Virginia all the way to Glenn Youngkin and whether or not Governor Glenn Youngkin is going to become. Uh, another presidential candidate here in the near future because they can't have Donald Trump winning. And then at the exact same time, it's endless stories about the education state 
in Virginia. Uh, lowered enrollment and losing money and more absenteeism and truancy and how Glenn Youngkin is going to show up to a school district and talk about truancy and how they need to start showing up to school. It's collapsing. The whole flippin' thing is collapsing. And I love it. And now you've got all these politicians running around trying to tell everybody that they got to keep it all together. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. State budgets cannot fix this. Everybody's taxes are going up, as I said. People want levies. They're not going to get them. The only way that you get your taxes down is by collapsing the education system. Now, unfortunately, they can help make up for that in a very criminal way by, by probably continuing to increase your property taxes another way. I mean, we're seeing that in Butler County. Property taxes are going up and schools want more property taxes to go up. Well, how's that working out for everybody? How's everybody feel about that? It's ridiculous and it can't, it, it can't continue to happen. But unfortunately, it is continuing to happen. Now that leads me to this, and this is kind of the final education-related story here. And then I just have a couple of quick jab headlines to read, and then I'll wrap it up. Um, you may be familiar with Tori Maris of Tory Says and the show Tory Says. Tory Maris ran for, I believe, Secretary of State, if I'm not mistaken. It was one of those higher positions uh, within the Ohio State government. I voted for her. She's ex-CIA, used to work under John Brennan. She is certainly a freedom fighter. She can't stand the judicial system. And, uh, and she's, she's an interesting character. And again, she's an individual who has dropped a lot of truth on a lot of people throughout the state of Ohio when she was running for office in 2022. And she received maybe 7% of the vote. But uh, she's anti-establishment without a doubt. So what she's done is, is she has a legal case that was sent to me by Tate Prouse here in town. And he told me about this. And again, I've had Tate on the show before talking about his legal case regarding city council. But Tori Maris has an interesting case. And again, it has to do with the mask wearing. But it also has to do again with the school district where she was sending her daughter in Ohio and them breaking board policy by essentially having the superintendent make a blanket policy where everybody had to wear a mask. Now, I listened to the court deliberations back and forth between both her lawyer and the district's lawyer, and it really is interesting. And again, I'll link it in the description below if you're interested in listening to the first hour of, of the particular show, which is on her Rumble, Rumble channel. And the episode, I think, was from October 27th. So you can go over to uh, Tori Says on Rumble and certainly find it there also. But one of the interesting things that gets said in this case is, is the, uh, the lawyers for the school district justify the mask wearing and certainly the lack of mask wearing that is happening now because of the existence of a vaccination. And they also try to justify the fact that Tori doesn't have a case, and certainly her daughter doesn't have a case, and can't bring such a case, because their daughter is not, her daughter is no longer in the school system and has graduated. 
He said, well, she's graduated, so basically what's the problem? This also, of course, had to do with the fact that they kept Tori Maris from speaking within the school board meetings themselves and kept her out of it completely. Well, you can't do that either. That's a violation of the First Amendment also. But again, to justify the presence of a quote-unquote vaccine, and then that right there would indicate to just about anybody that no school district is going to ever bring back a mask policy. Therefore, whatever policies existed in the past really aren't relevant anymore. That's not an argument. That's beyond ridiculous. These are individuals, again, using one policy after another to basically say the reason that this policy existed is thankfully because we have vaccines, but now we don't have to worry about masks anymore because we have vaccines. This is the state of the legal system and the knowledge base of the people that are representing individuals in a court of law. This is by definition, again, the Great Awakening, as I have laid out on this show and put out that substack specifically talking about the Great Awakening. We are seeing that the people in quote-unquote positions of power are dumber than a bag of sand. They don't know what they're talking about. Certainly not from a medical standpoint, but also not from a legal standpoint. They know absolutely nothing about what is going on. I mean, they do not have a clue. They don't have a clue, again, from either legal or medical and, of course, individual rights. But, it, it, I mean, a lot of this gets said in her case, and, and she goes through it one at a time, and she even calls out the lawyer for lying about particular things, and it really is an interesting listen. So I will link it in the description below if you're interested in checking that out. I highly recommend, again, listening to the first hour and 15 minutes because that's where you hear the court deliberations back and forth between the two lawyers. It's just outrageous to make the claim that, well, we don't think that the school district is ever going to bring back a mask policy, so why are we even talking about this now? Even when the mask abuses, and the entire reason for the case is because the mask abuses and, and the First Amendment were being violated years ago. It, again, it doesn't matter if it happened two years ago or not. The fact is, is it still happened. You can try a murder case. Years after the murder has taken place, decades after the murder has taken place. There's not a statute of limitations on that. But when it comes to abusing children and violating their First Amendment, there's somehow a statute of limitations on that, or so you would think. Now, there really isn't. But the judge for the school district was openly saying, hey, look, this happened a long time ago. Let bygones be bygones. I mean, can't we just go about our business? What's the big deal? No. We can't go about our business, and this is a big deal. It's going to continue to be a big deal because there's no accountability. And her case is actually very important because it would set a precedent in the state of Ohio, and even one of the judges says that. In the audio clip, he openly says, look, this was set a huge precedent. Yeah, that's the point. The point is, is you can't gag people. You can't play doctor. Because doctors can't play doctors, can they? They don't even know what the hell they're doing. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Again, I will link that in the description below and you can give that a listen. I highly recommend it. It really is educational. Very interesting stuff. 
Okay, a few more headlines here. First of all, there's this Substack, which I, I read this particular article. I found it interesting. It continues to point out the hypocrisy of the so-called freedom movement doctors. The Substack is called Rounding the Earth Newsletter, and it's from a Matthew Crawford. And this particular article was titled, Why I'm Doing This, a Personal Disclaimer. In the article, he essentially highlights how a lot of these so-called freedom doctors are basically all playing on the same team, and they're doing it because they're grifting, and they're doing it to get money to pay for their own legal fees or, again, to somehow monetarily protect themselves from scrutiny, or at the very least, again, uh, siphon money from endless individuals in order to keep engaging in these world tours that they are engaging in, fly themselves from point A to point B so that they they can keep speaking about the issues that they're speaking on. The problem is, and that he highlights, is that these individuals, again, surround themselves with their own and they don't let outsiders in. Not an accident. Again, it's, 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 a, it's a club of its own and, well, we're not in it. And again, the club includes the likes of Steve Kirsch, Robert Malone, Dell Bigtree, Steve Bannon, and the list is endless. Ryan Cole. It's all these individuals. They all, you know, they all work around one another. But again, a lot of questions get raised as to where their money is coming from, who's giving them the money to maintain a particular narrative, and a thousand other things. It really is interesting. But they've always been a suspicious crew, without a doubt. I've always thought so. Anyway, there, there was that. There was also this. This is from Claire Payne on her Substack, which is clarityonhealth.substack.com. And it was titled, Too Many Dead. Take a look at this concerning material from AMPS. The Australian Medical Professional Society book makes sobering reading. Again, very briefly, it has to do with how their death rate has increased by at least 10%. And they highlight a number of other different individuals, again, that uh, have communicated with one another. In fact, in that previous substack, even Ed Dowd gets, gets called out. Because, again, people have basically said, look, he's playing ball too with certain teams and certain individuals and yet won't associate with others. And I don't know. It really is very odd how all these individuals communicate with one another. But either way, they can't hide the excess deaths, and I don't think they're necessarily trying to, but what they're trying to do is, is many of these individuals in the so-called medical freedom movement are not saying everything that needs to be said. As you've heard me say in numerous episodes in the past, the likes of McCullough think that the, the variant lie is a real thing. There's no such thing as variants. There just aren't. There are different dosages, there's different symptoms, but there's no mutating uh, variants that are transmitted from person to person via coughing or sneezing. That's ridiculous. But yeah, I'll end with a little good news here. This is from Zero Hedge from just the other day here. Pfizer uh, to shut down two facilities amid major cost cuts, and both of these facilities are in North Carolina. So that's good. Less Pfizer facilities, I think, is always going to be a good thing. Having them go bankrupt, that would be great. 
But again, I've heard this question be raised in the past. If they go bankrupt, it's going to be sort of like John Grisham's movie or book, The Rainmaker, where the victims aren't going to be paid out because the organizations will just cease to exist and won't have the money to pay anybody out. They'll declare bankruptcy and that will be the end of it. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but if such a thing is possible, I think they'd try to do whatever they could to take the easy way out instead of uh, having to pay someone out. But who knows? Time will tell on all of this without a doubt. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, another long one. Let's see if it uploads to Rumble. I highly doubt it, but we will see nonetheless. So there you go. Civil war continues. Freedom of speech continues to be at the forefront of all of this. And yeah, it has to be because they want to crush the truth. That's the whole point. If you can't tell the truth and you get prosecuted for doing so in this country, ladies and gentlemen, you should know who your enemy is. And there you go. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.